shaken and disturbed, everyone. I'm Darren Carp, as always, and hi. I'm here, as always, with... Oh, hi. Hi. Oh, hi. 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 I just want to say hi. something right off the top of the, of the show. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Because I like to have my window open. It's the last couple of weeks before it gets cold up here again. And it's a beautiful day out. And if you hear birds chirping in the back, well, I don't care. How do you like that? Um, are you okay? <laughs> Is everything okay? Everything's everything's well. Um, okay, okay. But you Seems know, it. I'm just. Seems I'm, it. You know yep. me, Darren. Especially with my edits, I'm a stickler for some good sound, and I typically would keep my windows closed. But you know, you, like a little background noise. Yeah, Why maybe. Not? Yeah, maybe a train will go by. Maybe you'll hear sirens. Uh, maybe True. you'll hear my grandfather driving around on a four wheeler. Whatever it may be, um, just know that this is my life, and it's the best I can do. This is this is this is John Thrasher at his peak. Thank you. Exactly. You're welcome. Yes. You're welcome. Well, this case is. Uh, <laughs> I hate to say it, but going to be our kind of last one for Halloween to close out our Halloween month. Which yeah. Also feels like October went by so quickly. October flew by. I was all excited when it was at the top of the month. And then now it's like, I, this might even be a November episode at this point. I don't even know. I, I mean, yeah, no, it's on Sunday, right? Yeah. I don't even know. Well, who but knows? Either way. Who knows what day of the week is, it is? <laughs> this is going to be a, you know, a spooky older case. But before we get into that, John, mm-hmm. are we drinking dessert? <gasps> I'm not drinking dessert. Although... Okay. I want to tell everybody, because I, I did mention this in a previous episode, I'm finally finally finishing off my coffee whiskey, so Ugh. which we got like a year ago. But I hadn't had whiskey in a long time, so I was like, let me pour some of this in to my actual coffee that I'm having right now. And mm, There you go. Mm, it's good. Mm. Yes, it's late in the evening and I'm, I'm drinking coffee. Another thing you're just, just going to have to accept if you're listening. Hilariously enough, a mutual friend of ours, John, came over the other night. Our friend Dan. Love he him. He came over the other night and he was, you know, we were having a drink. And I was like, what do you want to drink? And he's like, do you have any whiskey? So I had like five different kinds. Oh. And I was like, and I brought out some bourbon. And I was like, not for nothing. But John really <laughs> likes this brown sugar <laughs> bourbon. Yes, and, I do. And, and I was like, but I was like, the trick here is John really likes things that are very sweet and it's delicious, but I don't know if you can have like three cocktails worth of it. Yeah. Well, And so yeah. Dan, Dan was like, let me sniff it. And so he sniffed it. He was like, yeah, no, I think that's just a little too sweet for me. And I was uh, like, okay. mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by the way, this is Dan who was on our show. Remember earlier in this, a couple year months ago when he was promoting his show, TV BFFs. That's right. So that's right. That's the Dan, Dan Brown. Shout yeah. out. Shout out to Dan Brown. Well, um, I hate to break it to everyone, but tonight is the uh, Patreon live stream. So I'm not going to drink right now for our recording. Okay. Because I don't want to be sloshed for the Patreon. Why not? That's the point of it. Just kidding. Well, I'm because I'm going to drink a lot there because there's going to be so many like fun costumes and games. So I don't want to like. Yeah. I'm 33 now, John. I have to <laughs> oh, God. pace myself, okay? Oh, my God. Okay, whatever you say. Shall we get into this week's case? Absolutely. Let's go. Evelyn Grace Harley. Great name. Very cool name. Evelyn Grace Harley was born on November 21st, 1937, so literally in like two weeks from now, <laughs> to, to Richard and Ethel Hartley. Evelyn, the youngest of four siblings, was the baby of the family, all of whom moved from Charleston, Illinois, to La Crosse, Wisconsin, 
1949. I hope I'm getting that right. It sounds right. By the way, I want to mention we did the episode last week in uh, Louisiana, I think it was. And the amount of people from Louisiana that reached out to me and they were like, oh, my God, you did a show from my hometown or from my state. So we must have a lot of Louisianians listening to the show. Is that a word? Is that a, is, is a Louisianian? <laughs> Louisians? I don't know. Louisiana. Anyway. Louisianites. <laughs> no, sweetie, stop. All right. Just sorry. Keep let's, going. Let's, let's keep moving. They're probably all cringing as they're listening to this Oh, episode. my God. They're literally typing to mm-hmm. us in all caps right now being like, you dumbasses. Yeah, it's exactly. this. And we're going to be like, oh. They're calling okay. the police, actually. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Well. In 1953, Evelyn was enrolled as a junior at Wisconsin Central High School. She was at the top of her class, loved science, and participated in all sorts of extracurricular activities, including the drama club and her local church's youth program. Very, now, like, all-American, right? Like, think everything you just described, like, just sounds so Americanized. Honestly, everything sounded exactly <laughs> like me when I was in I high was school, except the, too, lo- yeah. except the local the church church's group. youth program. I know. Yeah, I not the... Not the church group, but according to her parents, Evelyn dated boys occasionally. Also like Darren. (laughs) Steady boyfriend. No, I had one steady boyfriend, Oh, you did. That's right. That's right. That's right. I was the one dating boys occasionally. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Well, with no steady boyfriend. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. Keep going. Okay. In late October, (laughs) Evelyn was connected by Professor Vigo Rasmussen and his wife. Now, the couple wanted to attend the University of Wisconsin's homecoming lacrosse game, but he needed someone to watch their two-year-old daughter, uh, Janice. Uh, They had a... You know, I know someone that pronounces it Janice or Janice. I'm going to say Janice. Let's go Janice on this one, yeah. But I don't know. Could be wrong. They had a regular sitter, but she also planned to attend the homecoming game and had asked for the night off. I feel like we have to be be clear about something, though. When we said the homecoming lacrosse game, we mean lacrosse Wisconsin, not like the sport. Just so we know, yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, It's probably the football game, because that's usually what homecoming is centered around. But Evelyn agreed to babysit for the couple. And on the evening of October 24th, 1953, Vigo picked up 15-year-old Evelyn from her home just before 6.30 p.m. and brought her to to his family's house on Hoxler Drive. Now, when she arrived at the house, Evelyn sat down a bouquet of flowers on the kitchen table, as well as some school books she had brought with her to study during the evening. Okay. So far, this sounds nice to me. Very nice. The Rasmussen's gave Evelyn the rundown of baby Janice's nighttime routine and left for the game. Now, before she left for the Rasmussen house, Evelyn's parents asked her to make sure she checked in with them around 830, but they never received a phone call. Now, remember, mm-hmm. she gets she gets to the uh, – she picks up 15 or 11, and they get home at 6.30. So around right. two hours later, her parents are asking for a call. Now, mm-hmm. eventually, Evelyn's parents started to worry and called the Rasmussen house a few times to try and make sure their daughter was okay. And when nobody picked up, Evelyn's dad, Richard, drove over to check on her. <sighs> yeah, this isn't sounding good, by the way. But um, when Richard arrived at the house, he found the door locked, but could see from outside that the lights and radio were both on. People listen to radio before they listen to podcasts, by the way. Um, he tried to gain access to the house, knocking and ringing the doorbell repeatedly, but nobody answered. And as time passed, Richard grew increasingly concerned for his daughter. Through through the window, he could see her glasses and a single shoe on the living room floor. Now imagine huh. this. You're checking in on somebody, a young person no less, and you peer through the door and you see just their glasses and one shoe. That to me is like the most like disarrayed type of scene. You know what I mean? Like of all things to lose. 
And she's 15. Right. So that's also what the big worry is Totally. too. Yeah. Well, Richard walked around the entire house, but the only way into the house he could find was a single open window at the back of the house leading to the basement. The window screen had been taken out and propped up against the wall, and a stepladder had been placed right next to it. Investigators later found that the Rasmussens had opened the window and set up the ladder while painting the basement, so there's that. Richard used the open window to enter the home, and then once inside, he found his daughter's other shoe in the basement. What? So we've got a we've got a shoe upstairs next to the glasses, and we've got a shoe in the basement. Never a good sign, you know. Not that this means anything, but it could have no, been, yeah. you know. You know, like someone picked her up. She lost a shoe upstairs. Yeah, you know, it, mm-hmm. it could be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't no, know. for sure. Well, in the living room, he found the furniture. Uh, a scattered mess. Evelyn's books were strewn throughout the room and her glasses, which laid on the floor, had been actually broken. Richard had noticed some blood pooled in the home after doing a... This is not good. When you see a pool of blood, never a good sign. I can only imagine the panic of this Oh my God. Oh my God. After doing a sweep of the house, Richard found baby Janice asleep in her crib, but there was still no other sign of Evelyn. One of the Rasmussen's neighbors saw Richard walking around the home and came over to inquire about his presence. And Richard explained that he was looking for his daughter and the neighbor offered to help look, which was nice, of course. The two did a second sweep. And when they didn't find anything new, they left for the neighbor's house to call the police. So very um, unsettling and troubling uh, potential crime scene. I would say crime scene at this point with the pool of blood for sure. And I just think of the sheer panic right now oh my that's God, just yeah. going in Richard's mind. But Richard relayed the situation over the phone, and officers were sent to the house. Once at the home, investigators began looking for any signs of Evelyn's whereabouts and found several leads, okay? There mm-hmm. was marks on three different windows as though someone had tried to get inside the house that way before entering through the basement. You know, Okay, c- so maybe they're just trying multiple locations. Yeah, and you know what comes to mind is he sort of tampered with a crime scene by entering the house and walking all through it. So, you know, if he entered that window and it was open like that, there could have been other details that he kind of tampered with unintentionally by going through. Could have been, although kind of not so long ago, but long Mm -hmm. ago enough where I don't think they had the same like forensics, but yes, obviously you're still tampering. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. But Another another thing was mm-hmm. that the footprints with a very distinctive sole pattern were found inside the basement window box and in the living room. Okay. So that at least goes to show that. Now, there was also a great deal of blood present inside the house and outside in the yard, including one large pool, approximately Ugh. 18 inches in diameter, Ugh. which to me seems like, and, and not to make like light of it, but it seems kind of like a beach ball size. Yeah. No, that's no, I don't think you are. I think you're, that's an you accurate know, description. Yeah. Which is a lot. Of blood. And it's also interesting because it's not like and a um, drag, you know, pool of dragged blood. It just seems to be a pool of blood. Like there's no other right. b- blood stain around that. That's interesting, too. Well, the blood was uh, later determined to match Evelyn's blood type, although, mm. you know, OK, I have a common blood type. So, yeah, right. Because, now, again, this is all- pre DNA, right? So there's no way to determine if it's actually hers. Yeah, I'm and assuming. on the wall next to the garage, there was a bloody handprint, which also matched uh, Evelyn's blood type. More blood samples were recovered from the outside wall of a neighbor's home. Oh my God. Because of the amount of blood found, detectives suspected Evelyn's kidnappers mm. might have carried her through the yard, stopping to rest her on the ground momentarily, which is presumably where the pool of blood would have happened. Right. So although the door had been locked when Richard arrived, 
Detectives were able to find evidence suggesting Evelyn had left or been removed through the front door. It was certainly plausible as the door self-locked. Ah, okay. So it was one of those interesting doors. Exactly. So it's kind of hard to say. Yeah. Well, however, there was also a large amount of evidence suggesting Evelyn might have been forcibly removed from the home through the basement window. Detectives discovered a button sewn with red threads in the window well. I mean, isn't that interesting? All the way down to the threads, you know, even back then. The button looked very similar to the ones attached to the red pants that Evelyn had been wearing that night. However, the evidence wasn't properly collected and the threads ended up blowing away in the wind. What? Jesus. Talk about Gone with the Wind and not fabulous. Yeah. Good good reference. You like that one? If you're listening, yeah, if did. you guys watch Real Housewives of Atlanta, you know what I'm talking about. True. Well, detectives brought tracker dogs to the house to try to assert to try and ascertain where Evelyn and her abductors may have gone after leaving the premises. Uh, the premises, excuse me. The dogs were able to track the scent two blocks but soon lost the trail, which may have indicated that Evelyn had entered or been placed inside of a car. This theory was backed up by several neighbors who confirmed seeing an unknown car driving around the neighborhood that evening. This just gave me chills because this summer I was um, dog sitting for my aunt for a few Mm -hmm. days while they went on vacation and I was staying at her house. And um, I like to sleep on her couch in front of this big window because it's so much more comfortable than the guest bed. So, like, you know, I just sleep out on the couch. And one day I woke up on my own before anything had happened. And I kind of popped my head up and just looked out the window to see what was going on. And right as I did that, a car drove super fast into the driveway of my aunt's house. And it's hard to explain if you don't know my aunt's house, but it was like probably 15 feet away from me. And it just turned its lights off. I'm sick to my stomach thinking I'm about to be murdered because I do a true crime podcast about this stuff. This is freaky. I know. And then as soon as like I kind of put my head down a little bit, they turned their lights on and sped away. And I still to this day don't know who it is. No, don't know what they wanted. Don't know if they even got out of their car because I was shaking. I was literally shaking and disturbed. Um, oh, my God. And it made me be like, I need to get those ring doorbell cameras or whatever because yeah i would have maybe if i would have remember if i would have seen footage i would have gotten their license plate and tried to figure out what happened because it was very scary and aggressive anyway and it's also like eerie super eerie especially because i woke up on my own minutes before this happened so like what is that right exactly anyway anyway just as we're talking about cars and and craziness with the the neighbors here who had seen the weird car yeah Well, one neighbor told police that they'd heard screams coming from nearby around 7 p.m. And another reported seeing a light colored car circling the neighborhood around 8 p.m. This also reminds me, I tried to remember the color of the car so I could report it. So don't tell me I'm not a true crime podcaster. Well, I was going to say smart. That's just Thank that's you. smart. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm a smart guy. Detectives began to develop. Well, well let's not go too far. <laughs> let's, let's take it one step at a time. It's a good point. I wouldn't say it was, you know. I'm laughing that you gave it a couple beats and then said that. Like, you had to think about it. And you're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I just wanted to. Re- I just, just want people to reconsider the Thank other you. side of that Thanks. argument. No, you're welcome. Thank you. Kidding. Well, detectives began to develop a theory that Evelyn uh, was abducted sometime within that hour, but were unable to pinpoint the timeline beyond that. By the way, so the neighbors are hearing people screaming. Like, what? Did anyone want to report that? Or, like, I mean, maybe you don't. Like, if I think if I'm sitting here and I hear someone scream, I'm just like, 
okay, somebody's screaming. I don't know that I go and call the police. Yeah. I think it probably also depends what it's like accompanied by because I don't true. think that every time people get into screaming matches, the neighbor should call the police. You know That's what I mean? That's true, yeah. Uh, uh, every housewife would have been arrested right now. <laughs> I, I mean the housewives on Bravo, on not Bravo, as in yeah. like the profession. But, yeah. you know, I, I think, uh, I think uh, you know. No, it's like, a good point, yeah. Uh, so it's hard to say. Yeah, yeah If yeah, it yeah. was like with – you know, please shots fired and a or go- yeah, shots fired yeah. and stuff, you know. So, but anyway, we don't know because we weren't there. That's right. Well, on October 26th, a neighbor named Ed Hofer informed investigators of an incident that had taken place the night of the disappearance. Ed had been out driving at around 7:15 when he was nearly struck by a green two-toned 1941 or 1942 Buick. Again, these were modern cars at the time, don't forget. Um, inside the car, Ed had seen two men in the front seats and a woman in the back seat who was slumped forward with her head leaning against the front seat. And that worries me if this is Evelyn, because that is not a good sign, by the way. Well, Ed noted that he thought he may have seen all three stumbling through the neighborhood just a few minutes prior. Although that doesn't seem very like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he may have seen is like, yeah. okay. Uh, possibly close to where the pools of blood had been discovered. A few days after Evelyn was first reported missing, a set of bloodstained women's underwear were found near a highway underpass Mm. two miles outside of La Crosse. Mm. The blood was later determined to be menstrual blood that also matched Evelyn's blood type. Again, a number of different reasons why that could have happened, but it's not looking great. More bloodstained clothing was located throughout the area. A pair of pants were found just a few miles down the same road as as the underpass. A pair of sneakers and a denim jacket, both bloodstained, were found southeast of La Crosse. However, it was never confirmed whether or not the items had any connection to the case. Mm. I mean, there's a lot... Occam's razor. I just feel like there's a lot of different things that could happen with bloodstained clothing, especially miles apart. Well, let me also say this. I made a TikTok this summer as I was riding my bike through a path here in Maryland. And I was making jokes about how everything kind of looked like a crime scene. And then I literally drove like rode up against a pair of denim uh, pants, like just laying in the middle of a field. And I was like, okay, what is this? Because I was just making jokes. And now I'm like, somebody is pantsless running through a field. Um, This is not good. This is not a great scenario. So yeah, to your point, though, as far as I know, they weren't connected to any murder. So it really could be any, any, any case could have happened, really. You know, absolutely, absolutely. So having no connection doesn't mean much. Doesn't mean that they weren't connected, though, either. True. The interesting thing here is, though, the blood on all these items also matched Evelyn's blood type. Again, I have a common blood type, so yeah, it's unclear what are the odds there. But but the shoe print on the sneakers were similar to the tread pattern found at the Rasmussen's house. Remember, it was a weird tread pattern. Detectives looked into the sneakers and determined they were hood moguls made by a company called Goodrich that sold the shoes in Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, and Minnesota. The sneakers were analyzed in a lab, and it was determined likely that they were worn by someone who worked with heavy machinery. That's what I was thinking. It's almost like a Timberland boot Mm, is what I'm kind of thinking. Got it. And often, who often drove a Whizzer brand motorbike. Okay, interesting. That's very specific. Yeah, maybe there's a certain, like, feature to the boot that, like, protects your feet when you're on the motorcycle or something. Who really knows, but... I'm going to look up a Google image of this. Okay. Let me see if I can find a Google image of... Of what it looks like so you can describe it. Yeah. Any luck oh, so far? Um, you know, well, it, it comes a a lot across with a lot of other things. But yeah, just a boot. A boot. and But also 
could be a little different. Again, these were different yeah. times. It was also determined that two people had recently worn the shoes. One of the wearer's feet were too big for them. Okay. So inside one shoe, police found a human hair, possibly belonging to an African-American. Okay. Police continued to search for clues and heard rumors of an abandoned jacket that had been dumped at the side of a nearby highway. They found that the jacket had been picked up by a local farmer who threw it into the back of his truck and took it home. He happily turned it over to the police who found fibers in the pocket similar to those you'd find on a scrubbing brush. Well, let me just say this, too, before we go any further. Whoever, you know, if all of this is connected to the killer, they're not doing a great job at covering their bases, right? There's pool, There are multiple pools of blood. There's blood stains. Um, they're throwing the clothes, like, right off of the highway or whatever. And, like... I don't know. I just feel like there should be better ways to to get rid of that stuff if you're really trying to cover your your tracks. I would I would think you so know? too. Yeah. Well, detectives thought that the jacket might have a connection to the case, although it was too small to be worn by someone with a size 11 shoe. Is that like is there a science that. behind like proportion <laughs> of height because like one of my girlfriends is like friends who are girls is like 5'4" mm-hmm. and she has like a size 11 shoe. Oh my god. Well, that's a great example. I don't know. I mean, size 11, like I wear size 11 in men's. I don't know if that's the exact same in women's. Am I, no, it's not. It's but not. still, like, but still, like, I don't know. That just seems like a very, seems like almost it's a weird, wives tale. Yeah, like a weird stereotype or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, they brought the jacket and shoes with them as they canvassed over 30 nearby neighborhoods. The evidence was shown to over 10,000 community members, but unfortunately yielded no new leads. However, police didn't give up, and the search for Evelyn became one of the biggest missing person hunts in the history of the state. Volunteers searched on foot, lakes and rivers were combed, and helicopters were brought out to conduct aerial searches. Wow. That's pretty big. I would, yeah, I was going to say, especially in the early days of, like, aviation not that it was super early but you know the 40s it kind of is when did when was like when were hell alexa when were helicopters invented the earliest references for vertical flight came from china what think around 400 BC. Oh, 400 okay alexa stop i don't need the history of helicopters anyway but no to your point i think that's a lot hilarious that's a lot for that you know that time i agree with you completely um well, members. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. Members of the National Guard, members of the Boy Scouts, and everyone in between teamed up on this search. Even neighborhood squirrel hunters were asked to keep their eyes peeled for anything suspicious. Local farmers were even asked to check their own properties for clues. Meanwhile, imagine a squirrel hunters like the one that like comes across stuff. You know what I mean? Like of all things. I, I, like you know how you didn't know fishmonger was a thing? Didn't I still don't believe that it is? Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, it is a thing, and I guess a squirrel hunter is also a thing, which seems weird to me. By the way, leave squirrels alone. Like, don't hunt squirrels. Leave them alone. They're fine. They are. They well, they they have they have a cuteness to them. You know what we need in New York, by the way, a rat hunter. How about that? Get, oh Lord, or a cockroach hunter. <laughs> or a cockroach hunter. Anyway, meanwhile, police conducted mass searches of local vehicles, hoping the one connected to Evelyn's abduction might still contain traces of blood. Authorities enlisted the help of gas station attendants to search as many vehicles as possible, asking them to report the license plates of any cars that seemed suspicious. Can you hear this bird outside of my window? I can. It's really, really has to say something about Evelyn. It's clearly once on the microphone. It's such a diva. Can you hold on? Shut up. Such a diva. Wow, it's getting you. Wait, let me see if it stopped. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. 
See, I run not just this house, but the whole hill that I live on. Yeah, that's what everyone was thinking on this podcast. I'm sure they were. That's what we were all thinking. Well, thankfully, the bird has shut up. See, this is what I told. This is why I started at the top. I was like, you're going to hear wildlife in the background. (laughs) Imagine a squirrel comes up to the microphone right as I'm talking about that. And he was like, yo, yo. (laughs) Right. Leave me alone. Okay, anyway, to keep track of this enormous endeavor, cars were marked and deemed irrelevant to the case, were awarded a sticker that read, My car is okay. What an interesting detail. Hilarious. Isn't it so funny? By the way, you know, like, imagine this happening, right? And, like, probably most people that put that sticker on their car were completely fine with it. You know, back in the day... People probably wanted to get to the bottom of of the local murderer, potentially, right? And then you think of, like, modern day. Like, imagine telling somebody, like, we're going to put a sticker on your car that says, my car is okay. I immediately feel like there's going to be a whole group of people that's like, give me my freedom, my car, my choice. Like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I just feel like people were more cooperative about things in this time. Well, I think I think the cooperation also the fact that the fact that you're gleaning that is probably due to social media and that human beings were meant for this much feedback and we get feedback <laughs> constantly true, all yeah. the time and back then, you know, it's like it's hard to say what 10,000 people in a square that's mile true. really thought, you know. Yeah, no, that's but fair. But yeah. Yeah. Well, police even insisted that recently dug graves be unearthed in case Evelyn had been buried inside someone else's burial plot i mean they're really going to the extents that they can here um from the day evelyn disappeared richard and ethel constantly pleaded with the public to help finding their daughter even making several on-air appearances to speak directly to her abductors asking them to find a way to tell them what had become of evelyn i mean imagine having to go on camera like we've seen so many families do including gabby petito's family more recently and having to beg for you know, someone listening to give details about your missing or, or abducted child. I mean, I just can't imagine the heartache of that, you know? It's just so painful. It's, it's horrible. I mean, it's really horrible. Honestly, this actually makes me think about, though, like, I don't know. if I wonder if the length of these searches would go on if maybe Evelyn had mm-hmm. been a different socio... Like, different yeah. color skin or something like that. For sure. You know? Yeah, that's, of course, a question question we have to all consider well they received several extortion attempts including an instance of a 20 year old man and a 13 year old boy offering to quote sell information about evelyn's whereabouts for a sum of 500 dollars, which back then was a little more than it probably is worth nowadays totally both of them were arrested and the man was put in jail for the crime throughout the years police questioned many thousands of people in connection to evelyn's disappearance over 3500 individuals were brought in for interview in the first year alone so i don't know even for this time it feels like what is what makes this that big of a case obviously no one's missing cases is more important than another or, or, you know, or less important, I should say. So what I wonder what really brought them into focus so keenly on this. Yeah, I don't know. Police. I'm very curious. Yeah. And police also received dozens of false confessions from people who claim to have abducted or harmed Evelyn. So then you have people that are, you know, thinking you're going to get somewhere with one guy and then it's all a big hoax. Yeah, I mean, false confessions are also so a real thing. It's so crazy mm-hmm. how that happens, but it does. And 
Although Evelyn Hartley has never been found, her case has been deemed a homicide, and, pol and police still keep some of the evidence, including Eve Evelyn's dental remains, on file for comparison in case a similar body is ever found. Mm -hmm. Evelyn's mom and dad eventually came to terms with the fact that their daughter was not going to come home. They stayed in Wisconsin for about 20 years before re relocating to Portland in the 70s, where they actually remained until they died. Years later, baby Janice gave an interview where she spoke about her family's reaction to the abduction. Although she couldn't recall many instances of her parents talking about the incident, she recounted that her father insisted on installing bars on all of their basement windows. Yeah, I bet. Her parents never allowed Janice or her sister to, to take babysitting jobs when they were older. As Evelyn's is a well-known missing persons case, there are several popular theories about what might have happened to her. So... One of the most prevalent out there right mm. now is that Ed Gein may have been involved in her disappearance. We all remember Ed mm -hmm. Gein with the nipple belts and <laughs> vagina lamps oh, and God. stuff like that. And on the night of October 24th, 1953, Ed was visiting relatives in La Crosse and spent the night just a few blocks oh. from the Rasmussen's house. And in 1957, Gein was arrested. His property searched and human remains were found mm -hmm. at the site. Police specifically lock, uh, looked for any remains that might have belonged to Evelyn. However, none turned up. Ed was given two lie detector tests about his two lie detector tests about his crimes and victims during which he denied any affiliation with Evelyn. He passed both of those tests and it was officially determined that he was not a viable suspect. And truth of the matter is that could easily be true. Mm, yeah, it could be true. I mean, it is weird to think that he's a couple blocks away from where somebody was I murdered. Know. You know what I mean? But okay. Totally. Well, another popular theory is that the Rasmussen's regular babysitter, not Evelyn, was the intended target for the abduction. Remember, she usually babysat for the family, but asked for the night off to attend the homecoming game, as we mentioned. Now, it's possible that the kidnapping was planned and the attacker simply didn't know Evelyn would be there instead. A third theory was born out of an audio recording that was turned over to police in 2004 by a man named Mel Williams. Mel reached out to authorities claiming that he possessed a taping of someone claiming to be responsible for Evelyn's disappearance. The recording was that of a band performing in a bar, and one of the voices on the tape belonged to a man named Clyde Peterson. On the tape, Clyde talks about murdering Evelyn with a man named Jack Golfair and a third man then burying her in Lafarge, Wisconsin. Eventually, Clyde realized the tape was running and told Mel to stop the recording. Mel didn't remember what was said after the recording stopped. Although police looked into it, both Jack Golfair and the third man were found to be dead, and no additional evidence came of the tape. And al although this case is cold, the Lacrosse police are still accepting leads to this day. And, of course, if Evelyn is alive, she is 83 years old at this point, so... Um, wow. it's a really tragic story. It's unsettling and it's, I really hate these missing people cases because it's I'm just going to say that it's yeah. so unsettling. It's so unsettling. There's no, yeah. there's no like closure at all. And I mean, the truth of the matter is, is at this point, it's like, you can't rule out she's alive just because there's no evidence to suggest that she's right. dead necessarily. But also like the likelihood of her being alive is probably not great yeah and it's not getting many better as we get older so yeah that's a tough one but um interesting case well, nonetheless well obviously let us know what you guys think about this uh you know we always want to know about different uh if you have a disappearance in your hometown or mm -hmm. something that never got solved we'd be happy to cover it obviously uh instagram us or tweet us right on our facebook wall at jay thrasher at carpe darren we always want to hear from you guys yeah and john let's let's end on a lighter note as we always try and do with some listener shout outs yeah let me take the first one because okay. i very much so like the uh image attached to this one <laughs> and it says 
A listener to our Facebook group says, I can't hear, not my radishes, and not hear splurge from the Muppets. Hey, Cinderella, please someone tell me I'm not alone. He's obsessed with radishes and gets very excited. <laughs> I totally forgot that splurge from the Muppets was obsessed with radishes, and I am here for it. Thank you, Alyssa. And if you don't know what we're talking about with not my radishes, that means that you're not listening to our NMR episodes. So you're going to have to. Which is a tragedy. That is a tragedy in and of itself. So get into that. Which, by the way, if you didn't know, we're releasing on both our main feed and on Patreon. So go and, go and check them out. Can- yes, please. Candace in our Facebook group a few weeks ago said, quote, currently listening to this week's episode, I had to pause to come here and ask, how famous are we talking for this mom costume, John? Because the very first thing that comes to mind is Casey Anthony. Now, Ooh. let me clear some things up. Okay. Candace is referencing uh, my little tease in our Facebook group a couple of weekends ago before our uh, Patreon live stream, Halloween live stream party whatever you want to call it spooktacular and i said i was going to be a famous mom and i you know if you saw the live stream or even listened to it because we released it as an episode you'll know which mom i'm talking about um i was not talking about casey anthony candace how could you um but 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 you do have a costume update that we'll have to talk about in the radishing segment that's right go listen to radishing and you're going to hear all about our costumes and everything else so there you go (laughs) well that was a very interesting disappearance case and of course we have to thank our lovely researcher so let's let's end the episode like we always do uh you ready john yes let's do it one two three thanks Thanks, megan megan yay and you guys have to say it out loud too so don't forget because you're going to spot each other in the wild it's like our bat signal that's right it's our radish signal oh a radish signal (gasps) am i radish man are i'm radish woman you're radish i think i'm radish man oh you're radish mom yeah you're radish dad i'm radish mom we just figured it out exactly yep we there it is marvel oh, come God. after us we're gonna have even more i have a feeling this is gonna go out of hand like people are gonna really run with this consistently <laughs> all right we'll see you guys uh next time for another episode thanks for listening bye bye